The year is 2020, but we're going to send you back in time to be held captive by the Vikings during their notorious reign. We're going to explore the Viking Age with history professor Connor Dawson. Thanks for joining us, Professor. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. Glad to have you as well. Uh, professor, Vikings often have this aggressive narrative about them. Are we smart to be sending our time traveler during, I guess, their height in Europe? Well, that is a, a good question. Um, and certainly Vikings do have that reputation. Um, I think one of the more interesting things about uh, about that reputation is um, I, it's a little bit misunderstood, um, and and really compared to uh, the you know if we're talking about this time period in the Middle Ages in Europe in general, you'd face some similar um, challenges if you were a time traveler going into that time period, regardless of where you are. So, would it be more difficult and more dangerous with the Vikings? Um, that would be hard to say, but it would be dangerous if you were in that time period uh, anywhere in the region, I, I, I would think. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's see if we can get into the uh, the depictions of the Vikings in pop culture, for example, or warlike. They have horns on their helmets, for example. I want to get into who they really are. Are they a little bit misrepresented today compared to the past? Um, are they a group of societies that banded together, for example, to settle on many lands of Europe in Europe? Or are they maybe a whole ethnicity? Sure. Um, so th a couple things with that. Um, certainly the, the Vikings, I feel like in the last um, few years or decade or so, have really been portrayed a lot in pop culture. Um, I've, I've really seen that become a trend. And some of it um, is accurate. And then some of it is a, a bit misunderstood. Um, I think. And I think you pointed out um, one of the uh, visual uh, misconceptions right away, uh, which is the, the horned helmets. Um, that's one of the iconic images, right, of the Vikings is, is wearing those horned helmets. Um, and it's a very striking image. Uh, that being said, it's also not true, right? The, the Vikings did not have horned helmets um, that actually originated in um, the 1870s during a, a production of Wagner, um, where the costume designer, Wagner has a, a it's the ring cycle um, that uh, performance is, is based on Norse mythology. And the costume designer came up with the horned helmet. And it's an image that has stuck ever since. Um, so that's an interesting uh, fact. Um, and there is some truth, I will say, to representations of the Vikings now. Um, they did travel um, great distances and uh, very diverse, to very diverse lands, I should say, and met with um, traded and, and in some cases raided um, with uh, a wide range of different cultures. Um, and... I think that's one of the most fascinating um, aspects of studying the Vikings is, is how far they went and who they came in contact with. Um, and certainly there was a lot of violence there. Um, but again, um, it's, it was a, you know, comparatively um, a pretty violent time. I wouldn't say they were any more violent than any of the other, uh, than any other major groups, especially in, in Europe. Um, and let's see, 
also the uh did you ask me what what viking um meant yeah i wanted to see if i wanted the question is are they uh an ethnicity for example or are they a group of people from several zones or areas in europe sure so the the word Viking um, ha, does have some debate over what that means. Uh, I think it's it's still somewhat mysterious. Um, there are some different theories that have um, been put forth, um, but uh, the the Vikings are uh, originally from um, what would be Scandinavia today. So uh, you know Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Um, but I, what's what's interesting with this, and I think this is another one of the terms we we often confuse when we talk about the Vikings, um, is that we're not talking about all the peoples who lived in in those areas. We when we're talking about Vikings, we're talking specifically about those individuals who set out from those lands and went on these raids um, and and missions to other places. So uh, usually, uh, actually almost always by sea at some point. Um, so we're talking about that group, right? Um, and when you read um, sources from this time period, um, they are never referred to as Vikings. Um, they uh, Some of the best sources that we have are, are written by um, individuals that were attacked. Um, and they might refer to them as Norsemen or Northmen, right, or Danes, um, but they're never called Vikings. It's it's a word that that comes up later. Um, but but specifically, you know, there are these cultures in in Scandinavia, um, Norse culture there. Um, but when we talk about Vikings, we're really focusing on the the ones who left and, and went on these raids. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what are the techniques or what type of um boats that the, that the Vikings used to travel the seas? Sure. Uh, great question. Um, the uh, ship building and, and knowledge of the seas is, is really, um, I think, one of the, the big advantages that the Vikings had in a lot of places they went. Um, certainly, it's their not-so-secret secret weapon um, in in a lot of aspects, right? When you look at the success of, of the Vikings on raids or and, and achieving um, sometimes, you know, battles are against enemies for them, right? That were uh, sometimes much more well supplied, had better weapons. Um, how were they still able to be so successful? A lot of that has to do with their ability to strike very quickly and, and leave a region. And the reason they're able to do that so well is because of their ships, right? Um, so there's a long history of shipbuilding um, in, in the regions that the Vikings come from, modern-day Scandinavia. Um, and they had lots of different ships of different sizes and functions. So their warships get a lot of the attention, but there were others for transporting goods and things like that as well. Um, as far as how they looked and they were constructed, um, they tended to be um, a, a kind of long and narrow, um, so 60 to 100 feet in length from some of the ones that um, have been, you know, discovered in an archaeological dig. Perhaps others may have been even larger. Um, they uh, had um, sets of oars on each side for rowing. Um, and they also eventually, um, kind of right before the Viking Age, um, gained the uh, wherewithal to put sails on their ships. And so that right. opens up a lot more to them. Um, now, what's important about their construction, too, is that 
Um, they're, um, for lack of a better word, shallow, right? So they don't have like a deep hull underneath. So they're able to cross not only oceans, but row up rivers as well. And they're able to beach very easily and then get out really quickly too. So on a raid, they'd be able to row up um, and beach their boats very quick, jump out, you know, engage in, in whatever, and then get back in and row away before um, any kind of resistance is mounted against them. Um, and, and the boats are, are usually made of oak. Um, they're very uh, well, strong and well-constructed. Um, and so it's one of those lasting images that we have of the, the Vikings. Um, and I'll also say too that the, the way they navigated um, is, is kind of rudimentary, but done well, and it's not dissimilar from other um, cultures that were uh, experts on the seas. Um, so they would, you know, use collective knowledge, like from, you know, ancestors passed down, uh, they would use land markers or formations, um, they had some knowledge of weather, weather patterns and currents. Um, so all of that combined uh, made them very formidable uh, on the on the seas. Yeah, so Let's see. Let's focus on as well the uh, their expeditions to North America, or sure. rather, northeastern part of America. Did they actually have any contact with Native Americans? That's a great question, um, and we don't know the answer to that, as far as I know. Um, I think some have speculated that perhaps that happened. Um, but I, I think it is unclear. Now, what we do know about the, the Vikings being over in North America um, is that they were the first Europeans to reach the continent around the year 1000, uh, which is, you know, several centuries before Columbus. Um, and they uh, established a colony in Newfoundland um, off the kind of east coast of Canada. And we do we know that for sure, because there's there's evidence that that happened. Um, now, what's interesting is they may have moved further than that, too, but we just don't know. It's, it's likely that they, they might have expanded um, just if you look at their, their patterns elsewhere in the world um, uh -huh. and maybe came in contact. But we, we don't have, as far as I know, evidence, hard evidence of that happening. There are some interesting reads that I've come across as well um, in where you mentioned that we are not entirely sure, but... The funny thing is that there are some um, accounts, and this is just a from my base scratch knowledge, that they found some Viking artifacts way beyond far from northeast, North America, all the way west, let's say, even I think in Wisconsin, if, if my may, may be right, for example. So it's a really interesting uh, theory. Yes, definitely. I think some of it, and you know, there are plenty of those stories that um, I, I haven't even read. There's just so much out there. Um, but I do know some, I think, had been proven to, to not be um, from directly from the Viking. Um, but there, there are some that have, or there's some, uh, you know, it, it might have been an artifact from the Viking age um, that was brought over later by somebody else, too. Um, and so those are all really interesting um, facts that are, it's, it's, it is kind of hard sometimes to figure out where did this stuff come from? Is it authentic? And then how did it get here? Um, and, and sometimes, and very often, um, that, that question is incredibly hard to answer, uh, but mm -hmm. it, it is fascinating. So coming back to Europe, uh, the Vikings, the majority have assimilated to, assimilated into other cultures. 
why was that the choice? Did they, why didn't they um, establish their own, um, I'd say, flag or own faction that says we are the Vikings? Is it just because due to over time, the cultures just integrated with the Vikings and vice versa? So that's a complex question too. Um, and one of those reasons is the, the Vikings did go to so many um, different regions of the world. And each of those histories kind of has its own story. Often the pattern you see with when the, the Vikings set out is that they will um, go on raids to a particular location, um, gather goods that were important to them, um, and then in a lot of cases leave very quickly. Um, but in some instances, um, there's a lot more diversity to that. In some uh, cases, the Vikings did set up um, settlements that became successful. Um, the Irish city of Dublin, for example, started as a, a Viking colony um, and then became quite successful. Um, but a lot of times there was this return back to Scandinavia. Um, but that's not always true. Some did stay in other regions and may have served another ruler. Um, some did kind of permanently settle and, and blend with the um, you know, native population there, whatever it was. Um, and, and in some cases, the I think the a case of not blending, but expanding and then really kind of retaining that Norse culture um, is with Iceland, which absolutely um, retains that. They were the only people there and they were the first ones there, aside from a group of Irish monks. Um, and those traditions have very much stayed uh, alive in the culture of Iceland, um, including the Icelandic language, which is the closest language we have to the language of the Vikings, which is called Old Norse now. So I think it's a very diverse answer. A lot There's a mm -hmm. lot of different things going on there. That's a great answer, as, mm -hmm. actually, as well. Um, let's see into, I want to get more into the main or main motivations of the Viking. We mentioned a rating. Is that the only um, main motivation or primary motivation that they have, or were they seeking to spread their religion, for example, or their culture? Or is it because they wanted to expand on new lands, more fertile lands, for example? Sure. So that question is, is again, um, kind of like the, the question of the, the name of the Vikings um, and, and how far they went. The motivation of um, why, why do this, right? Um, that's a, one of those history questions with the Vikings that, again, is very difficult to answer. And over time, um, there have been a lot of theories that have been put forth, and some of those um, have later been you know, debated and seen with some skepticism. Um, but still, why, why did they do that? Um, and one of the difficulties to, uh, with answering that question is there isn't, uh, to my knowledge, a first-hand at the time account of any Viking saying we're doing this and this is why, right? Um, so it becomes difficult. We don't have that particular voice saying those particular words. Um, so over time, there have been these different theories put out. Um, what I have seen in more recent um, historical research uh, with a potential theory as to why um, would be this. And I think this says a, a lot uh, about mm -hmm. um, Viking 
motivations um, is that in um, Norse culture of the time, right? Um, the the system of government there is is something that's very different than what we have today. Um, if you look at um, say like France or England in in the Middle Ages, um, there's a progression of the way government works, um, but you have a lot of um, a very different system of feudalism where you have a king who rules a region, let's say, and then nobles who are loyal to that king and knights who are loyal to those nobles and then peasants who are kind of tied to the land, which is the majority of the population, right? Um, and if a king wants to take up arms against a rival, um, he can absolutely call for that. Um, he can levy taxes to help pay for that. Um, and then, you know, go out on if it's a military mission or wherever, mm -hmm. right? With the Vikings, there is still that idea of a kind of a um, like a chieftain, you might say, who right. is important in, in a particular region. Um, but there isn't that political power to say, okay, we're gonna, you know, I need so many people to go do this thing and you owe me that just based on some kind of fealty, right? Um, if you want people to go do something for you, you have to um, reward them in some way, right? So um, we, from archaeological evidence, we see one of those gifts to get people to be loyal to you would be to give uh, gold or silver arm rings. Um, and, and, and then you build that relationship from there. And so those, and those, some of those relationships are, you know, fickle, like somebody who might be loyal to you might be rewarded better by going with someone else. So you really need to maintain that loyalty often with, um, riches of some kind, right. Gifts of some kind. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the motivations, um, that I'm getting to with this is that, um, you need some, uh, consistent income of, of some kind of gift to give. It's a gift economy, you might say, right? Um, and so there's this idea if we go out to places we know outside of Scandinavia today, right, that have these riches, such as a lot of Christian monasteries and other parts of Europe, um, we can raid, get those and bring them back, right? And so there's a lot of doing this for personal gain um, and then to maintain those kinds of loyalties. And I think that's a pretty good theory to explain one of the motivations as to why they might have gone out. It's also a great answer. And it also actually covers my next upcoming question as to how Viking society works. So I believe if we got back to our first um scenario or, or only scenario is that I think our time traveler does have a chance of possibly integrating with the Viking um, culture. Well, don't you say so? Yeah, I, I think if, if there, you can understand kind of how things work and what you might um, have to do, then you might be able to get by. It's pretty simple. Just follow this chieftain's um, goals and missions, for example. If they're going to do a raid, perhaps maybe it's a good idea to hop on and uh, show you them your chops. Sure. Um, yeah, there'd be a lot of benefits to that. And also, I, I think, you know, for our time traveler, if he was uh, he or she was, was, you know, stuck in that time period, um, going out on one of these raids offers, you know, something that's quite different from like the uh, an average individual's life in the Middle Ages. Usually, I mean, you'd, you'd kind of be stuck to one piece of land and just be there your whole life. Right. Um, this would provide an opportunity to go out on kind of a quest or an adventure that would be mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's actually a great, um, a great thought. Uh, 
I have yet, well, my staff and I have yet to watch an episode of History Channel's Vikings, for example, and we're getting into the modern times um, depictions of Vikings now. Um, but in an episode, I read that there was a Chinese captive of the Viking. Um, it, and it's interesting because on some other facts that or theories that I've read, Vikings can be found all the way down in Sicily, for example. And they've mixed and integrated with peoples that are Muslims, for example. Are those just, um, just like we said earlier, theories? Or are there some hard evidence or facts Right. So there, there are actually hard evidence of, of a lot of those things. Um, now, the uh, example from the t- from the TV show Vikings of uh, the person from China, um, that one I'm not sure about. But with the other examples you gave, absolutely. I mean, the Vikings go. I've actually been keeping a list as I've been, you know, interested in this topic of of everywhere um, that's that's listed that they went. Um, and I mean, it's certainly um, with, we said Iceland before, where they really established themselves. Um, but in, uh, you know, Western Europe, certainly, which wouldn't have been, you know, too far. Um, so, you know, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and then France as well, Germany. But you get further down than that, too. There's evidence of hard evidence of in um, regions like Spain and Portugal. And then if you go to other parts of Europe, um, Bulgaria, Hungary, Finland, Poland, Russia, the Ukraine, uh, Greece, and Turkey, and then further into the Middle East as well, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Kazakhstan, Georgia, Afghanistan, um, and then across the Atlantic, we mentioned Canada before, but also Greenland and the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. And with all those, and then there might be more, and and perhaps, like I said before, too, that they might have gone even further than that, maybe further into Asia um, and, and other places, um, but we, we just don't have the hard evidence. But we do have evidence and in different ways um, that the they were in these regions and came in contact with, with peoples um, in, in each of those places. Um, and, and I think one of the most interesting aspects of that is not just, you know, what the Vikings um, what the, and the evidence of the Vikings in those uh, regions, but then also what they took back to Scandinavia and, and right. went there. Um, so, for example, I think one of the most interesting stories I read was in the last couple decades um, during an archaeological, um, various archaeological digs on, uh, you know, that have, have uncovered um, evidence of, of the Vikings. Um, you get such a diverse range of items there. Certainly you get stuff that would have, you know, come from the, the Viking age in, in those territories um, at home. But like in, in this one particular um, dig in Sweden, there were all of these coins, like thousands of coins um, that are dug up and they're Arabic coins. Interesting. So it's, it's fascinating to see that work kind of both ways. And so we have, we do have hard archeological evidence of, of that happening in, in so many ways. It's, it's an incredible story. Did the, um, let's say, did the Silk Road, for example, contribute to that sort of uh, reach? Yes, absolutely. There's um, I- examples of some particularly important Vikings, some chieftains or um, men and women to, um, who were buried in um, silks. Right. So um, absolutely uh, coming from that trade. So um, that was absolutely there. Mm -hmm. 
we mentioned Viking chieftains or important people. Tell us one, at least one or two important people or Vikings that anyone should at least know. Right. Well, there's, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think the time period we're covering again with that is um, the, I mean, the, the years that are given are 793 to 1066. So there's yeah, quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot there and and there's a lot of uh important ones what's a little difficult uh, again is um and it's not yeah, and it's ahead. not just Leif Erikson for example right there's a yeah. lot more right yes there are a lot and and if, i think one if i mean if you watch the tv show vikings for example the the main character for a lot of the seasons is this Ragnar Lofbrook um and the the show does a lot of uh sort of fictionalizing his account a mm -hmm. bit. Um, but uh, he's an interesting person. That name pops up in some different places. Um, an another, and, and let me think, there's there's two kind of answers to this. Um, it's a little difficult because the, the accounts we have of um, the important rulers and where they went more or less from their own perspective are limited to, um, you know, in, in a detailed way, sources that were written a couple hundred years later in Iceland. Um, and so there's long been a history of, well, we know this name of this individual, and then we have some, uh, you know, but we don't have like a really accurate detailed account of everything that they did. Um, right. But, and, and some of that changes a little bit later towards the end of the Viking age, um, the, the whole, uh, government and society goes under a major shift with the introduction of Christianity. Um, and so then at that point, we start seeing more um, kings and kingdoms of this region. And some of those individuals are, are famous as well. Um, and there, there were also derivative or came from Viking culture. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's just the, the aspect of it that changes is the um, religious conversion. Um, the assimilation. Yeah, well, a lot of what, what happens, and, and we can get into this in more detail, um, but I, I did want to mention uh, another famous, and you know, some of the terms we use these days come from famous Vikings, like um, mm -hmm. Bluetooth technology, for example. So like blue, the name Bluetooth is, is uh, from a, a famous Viking king, um, and the little Bluetooth symbol is uh, a rune that's a combination of his, in, his initials. Oh. So I think that's, that's an interesting fact, too. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And before we, the show started, you actually actually mentioned a little bit about um, the days of the week, for example. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So some of the days of, of the week um, do come from um, this age. Uh, the There's a Scandinavian word in, in this different Scandinavian languages, for example, the name of Saturday um, in it's, it's different depending on which language you're talking about, but it, it means like a day of, of bathing um, because it, it was in Viking culture at the time, right? In Norse culture, um, relative to other Europeans, they were pretty clean. They bathed once a week, which was a lot more than a lot of other people. Um, and so some of those names, and there might, there might be others too. I, I know less about that, but I know in the case of Saturday, I believe it's, it's that um, term, Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember. Okay, well, Professor Connor Dawson, I'm sure there are a lot, as we can say, as we can see here, there's a lot more that goes into Viking history. Um, thanks for joining us, Professor. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I hope this inspires some people to maybe take another look at the Vikings in a new way. There's a lot of great stuff being written out there about it.
Absolutely. And thanks for again for dropping by. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Professor Connor Dawson. He teaches history in Los Angeles, California. My name is William with KPCRadio.com. This is Time Machine Express.